Welcome to Real Talks, The Realtor Life. This is where we talk to real agents about their story and their journey in real estate. We'll discuss their beginnings, their struggles, and their ultimate successes. We peel back the layers and deliver a behind-the-scenes conversation that you, the listener, can find inspiration. My name is Nick Niaxi, and my intention is to share the authentic realtor life. Hey everybody, this is uh, Nick Yaksu uh, with Real Talks and this is episode 15 and we are out of Canada right now. We're in LA and we are with the legend, <laughs> Santiago Arada. Thank you so much for making time on your uh, busy schedule. Of course, Nick. Pleasure, man. Thank you for taking the time and considering me on this beautiful podcast. Thank you so much. Um, so, Santiago... Uh, we have a huge uh, audience base who are realtors, young realtors who are looking for inspiration and looking for golden nuggets. And you are, um, you have a story of, you know, from nothing to to the most successful you could possibly be in real estate as, you know, we see you, uh, especially in Canada. So tell us a little about your story, you know, where, where are you from originally? Yes, of course. I'm from uh, Bolivia originally mm-hmm. and uh, I moved uh you know, I, I went to university in Bolivia and I studied business and marketing. And once I graduated and I applied for a scholarship to do a master degree in uh, in uh, finances, uh, but the but the master degree was uh, only offered in English and in Hebrew, and I didn't speak any of those two languages. Right. So um, <laughs> so at that point, I you know spoke with my dad. I was like, I think it might be a good idea to go and uh, learn English by immersion. You know, I think it's better when we. When you learn by immersion, like Tony Robbins says, you know, you are in a place where you have no choice. When I moved here, you know, I, I had an aunt that uh, offered me to stay in her couch for eight months, and uh, I was out there, you know, and I couldn't speak English, so I had to, like, learn English first, and I didn't have anyone to, to speak Spanish, because, you know, if you go to classes or whatever, right. if I would have stayed in Bolivia, let's say, for example, and I would have gone to, like, intensive classes of learning English, I would go back home, talk to my friends, my mom, uh, yeah. my family in Spanish, and then, you know... You don't learn as fast, I, I don't believe. So came here, learn English, I think. <laughs> uh, as I was learning English, I was bussing tables because obviously when I moved here, I was 23 and I only had $120 with me. Wow. Uh, thank God I was blessed enough to have an aunt that would allow me to stay in her couch. I didn't have to like look for a place to live for eight months. Right. And allow me to save a little bit of money. So when the time came, I, I left the house and... Uh, so, but, uh, you know, I started from scratch, man, uh, passing tables because I couldn't communicate with the tables or the customers. Once right. I finished working during the day, I would go to a night school uh, for free uh, to, to learn English. And uh, after three, four months, I think I picked up the language enough to communicate. And I went to the manager and I said, I think I can, I can sell a lot, of, a lot of drinks and food and I do a lot better with customers by talking to them as a waiter than a busboy. And he agreed. And... Uh, you know, I waited tables from that moment probably for about five years uh, as I was doing real estate. So uh, once I, I, I was yeah, waiting tables in, in, in Canada, it was, was, was really cool. Sorry, Canada, in, in Santa Barbara. It was yeah, really cool yeah. because uh, my wife now had her dad living in Santa Barbara. So she went to spend Thanksgiving with him. And they, her and her family stumbled up on the restaurant that I was working in Montecito. And I waited on her table. Wow. So uh, that's how I met my wife. It's pretty cool. Uh, she was living in LA, <laughs> and uh, you know we started to date, and I was going back and forth from LA to Santa Barbara, and uh, you know at a point in time I was like, you know, I, I really want to be with this girl, and uh, 
you know, I think I just, I just want to move to LA. So right. I moved to, to LA because of her, and uh, eventually we got married, and you know, I don't want to take too much time into details of my personal romantic life, but... <laughs> 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 so uh, when I moved here, you know, uh, my cousin was doing loans in Santa Barbara, and I, I was, you know, wanting to know what I want to do now, you know, so obviously... I need to decide whether I'm going to go to do the scholarship, which is in Israel, right? Or I need to decide if I'm going to stay here. What I'm going to do here? And the reality is, like, I did not want to leave that, you know, my wife, and uh, I wanted to get married to her. So I said, okay, you know, I guess the scholarship, although it was the original, uh, you know, idea of coming over here, went out the window. Right. And uh, my cousin was doing the loans, and I was like, what are you doing? That you're making so much money because in 2003, four, five, the loan business was. On incredible you know wow so uh, he told me what he was doing and I said well what do I need to do to do that and he's like we need to get a, a license but he said uh, but you know what get the license and I think you probably will do better in real estate than loans loans boring you've seen a computer it's a lot of numbers it's, and uh, you have a great personality so mm. I think you'll do well with people and I said what's real estate Really? I had no idea what so real estate 23 was. 23-year-old, you, you had no idea anything about real no, estate No, but at I all. think it was a combination of not knowing what real estate necessarily was like the term, you know, I was not familiar because English wasn't my language. So, right. And in Spanish, you know, real estate is called bienes raíces. Okay. And, uh, you know, growing up uh, with my family, when we had to move like from a place to another one, it was very rare, you know, to mm -hmm. use an agent, you know, it wasn't a very, at least when I was living there, it wasn't a thing in Bolivia to have real estate agents. So you just go direct? So you go direct, uh, you read a newspaper, you find something and you go direct. There were a few times that I met, you know, these guys that will take us to, you know, properties or whatever, uh, but it certainly wasn't something that was look or aspired to be, Right. it was just different, you know, and I think right. that, you know, the world has changed in that, in that aspect, so... So I learned what real estate was. I moved to Los Angeles. I got my license, and I was uh, working, uh, doing real estate, you know, in between restaurants. You know, so there was days that I was working right. in, the, in the night in the restaurant. I was working in real estate in the daytime, door knocking and doing everything that you know we know how to generate leads. Because you know, I didn't, I didn't have connections, right? I didn't have a family. I didn't have friends. I didn't go to college here. I didn't go to school here. So right, it was uh, the only person I knew was my wife. So how good was your English at this time when you're door knocking? for leads I mean it, it, it was definitely you know rough yeah I, I could communicate but uh, but it wasn't great you know right interesting so what's what's interesting about it is like people now come to me and uh, I get emails you know because I do a lot of talks and mm -hmm. seminars and stuff like that and people email me it's like uh, there's actually a guy that just joined the company he was saying uh, I, I, I always had this cloud behind me saying that I don't speak the language that good or I have this accent right. and that was such a block in my mind you know and uh, for me that was never an issue you know because I think that I was doing the best I could yep. and uh, I think I can get the message across and people understood me and I think I can remember and if it, there's been very very few times when someone would say hey, your English is not good mm -hmm. that's not how you say it I can't even remember it must have been like one or two occasions in 15 years you know right because I think for most part people connect with you uh, and if you come across and you deliver the message you want to deliver if you made a mistake grammatically or something I don't think people care about that personally right. you know no and uh, the day I realized that my wife was you know cute and she was like uh, hearing me leaving messages for clients 
And then when I hang up, she'd be like, you say this and that. So I say, well, you want to hear the message he left me? So because, you know, LA is such a diverse city. The yeah. people that live here for a long time, they're very wealthy. They really don't speak good English, you know? Right. So I got her to hear this voicemail from a client that his English was more broken than me, but he was very wealthy. You know, I said, look, he doesn't seem to be bothered, you know? So, yeah. But she was right. So I, I continued to improve. I continued to improve. And I, you know, read, read a lot of books. I think it helps with the grammar part yeah. of the English. Yeah. Uh, so I started to do real estate, you know, and restaurant both for five years and in about 2000 and, what was it, 2007, uh, I saved enough money where I felt confident that I could drop the restaurant and just do real estate 100%. So 2004 you started? Yes. So three years mm-hmm. until you started to, you know, get over that first yes. hurdle. Yes. So it didn't happen overnight. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So 2007 now, you know, we just had a baby. Okay. Uh, and uh, so my wife, you know, was off from work and I was like, you know, I think at this point I can just drop the, the restaurant and, and do real estate, which was a very great achievement at the moment. Right. So I dropped the restaurant and I started doing real estate 100% and uh, I was doing great. And then out of seven, 2008 came up. You know, October 2008 hit us, right? And it was rough. I mean, eight, nine, in 2009 we had a we had a second child. Uh, we uh, basically, you know, I started to think like, oh my god, like all those little savings that I had now, nothing is selling. The market was so depressed. You know, I mean, it right? Was, it was very, very difficult. I mean, you all know what, what we went through 2008, oh, 2009. So, yeah. So. You know, that was, I think, probably one of the lowest points, you know, to, to kind of like stop and say, okay, you're doing good and now you got kicked in the teeth, basically. Yeah, right? yeah, oh yeah. So life shows up and kick, kicks you in the throat on the teeth. Yeah. And that's, I think, when people either make it or break it, you know, that those are the defining moments, you know. So it really tests, you know, it, your, your, your stamina and your yeah. mental strength. Yeah. Especially when you're now a caregiver for your wife and your two kids. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so I remember, you know, you make you need to you need to be proactive. I think, you know, I think that uh, being proactive and, and, and movement is very important. You know, thinking is good, but yep. doing is better. Of course. Okay, so I think execution is a big thing. So I quickly adjust. You know, it's like okay, I'm not making any money right now, and my savings is going down, and I mm-hmm. just moved to another location to a beautiful condo, and I was like, can't afford this anymore. So we packed and talked to the owner. We were renting. Talk to the owner of the building and I said, look, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I, I have to go to something smaller. I mean, we didn't expect the economy to be this. So he was kind enough to say, look, if, if you can find something that you like within my portfolio of buildings, right. uh, I'll let you go downsize. So two blocks from there, he had another building, a little older, smaller, that we moved to. Mm-hmm. And uh, we adjust, right? So mm-hmm. we, we're adjusting for the bad moments. And uh, at a point in time, I felt okay, I, I think I might have to go back to, I don't have, you know, I don't have parents who can help me out with a little money and mm-hmm. like, get good, or I don't really have anyone. To it's a and neither, neither was my wife, you know, she's, her family were amazing, but not financially in a place that could help us either. Right. Uh, so uh, we decided to, although her mom actually helped us a little bit uh, at a point in time, not with a lot, but it was very helpful. I don't right. want to forget about that. Uh, and then uh, I, was, I, I, took, I, I took my car, and I printed my waiter resume, and I said, you know, I'm gonna just go to a restaurant and maybe pick up three, four shits a week, and yep. just supplement with that because you know I gotta feed my family. And I remember that day was probably one of the lowest days I felt uh, from the 
professional point of view of like you know stepping back a bit yes and I was like okay what does this mean and I pull over and I remember I was about to get out of my car and drop my first application to the restaurant that was in Venice I remember on Abelkini and uh, as I'm leaving out of the car something inside me just you know shook me and I was like what the F are you doing basically right it's like what are you doing right now and it's almost like you know, I get chills just to think about it because it's almost like you get introduced to your real self, you know? Uh, at that to. moment, I, I got introduced to the real something. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? You're not going to do this. You're going to go and sell real estate and you're not going to back into this one. So I closed my car and I literally drove into a neighborhood that I really liked and I went door knocking for like three hours. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I think that, uh, that when you make a decision... Okay. Yeah. And you are a hundred percent committed, and you said that's not going to happen, and you make a strong decision from the inside. I think the universe just starts opening doors for you, because I felt that the shift on that energy that I had immediately started to do better. Even in the midst of the very bad market, and what I did is like I'm going to go and work harder than everybody else. I was sitting open houses Saturdays and Sundays. I was door knocking five days a week. I was doing everything right. So I think that when you put that energy, the, the, the universe almost wants to get out of your way, you know? They say, it's okay, well, this guy's not giving up, so let's just might as well give it to him. So do you think if it wasn't for the recession, you may not be where you're at now because of the work ethic that it required for you to pull out of that? Uh, there is some truth to that, yes. Yeah. I, I definitely think that everything, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy, so I'm going to drop yeah. a few times his name in there. Absolutely. But, uh, like, like Tony Robbins says, you know, life, you know, doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. So right. I believe that yes, we are who we are because of what has happened in our past. Right. Uh, and yes, I will attribute to that to to to, to taking me to a whole different level. Because uh, as 2012 came up, uh, my business really exploded in an exponential level and has been growing every year since then. Right. And so you you were pre- you you prepared yourself to take on this this exponential success you you were you're ready for it if you were just you know do what you're doing before and then all this opportunity came in 2012 did you think you'd be prepared to take it on and and be that successful you know it's hard to tell yeah but uh but you know i'm, I'm just grateful for everything that has happened to me you know Amazing. every every heartache every i think that that if there is no difficulty if there's no pain you don't grow so you don't grow by always being good. I right. believe that, uh, you know, you got to go Absolutely. through you got to go through difficulty and that's when you grow in different ways, you know, so. So you attract, obviously, very successful people, but it's because you give them value. You're the expert and they're looking for guidance, right? And they want to make sure that they're getting the right advice. I mean, you've done deals with, you know, I'm sure, the, you know, incredible business people, great families. Celebrities, you know, mm-hmm. as I came in here, you're mentioning somebody. I won't say it unless you want to, but it's up to you. Uh, but it's on your website. <laughs> so, um, but some, and you're right now at third in California. Yeah, number three in California, uh, number seven in the United States this year. Last wow. year I was six in the United States and four in California. So I went up on one and down on the other yeah. one. And that's just kind of how it happens, you know, because uh, at that level, you know, you start selling over 300 million and, and you're competing with 10 other people, basically, in the right. United States. You know? So right. you just, one year we're up and one year off. But uh, yes, I'm just, you know, very grateful to be where I am. That's, it. that's incredible. So 
Um, so you're over two billion in sales in your career now, and you've been licensed for how many years then? Um, from 2004 to 19, 15 years. 15 years, but you really started to sell in 2012. A lot of that is in your 2012 onwards. Yeah, I think that a lot of that's going to be from 2012 and up. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, so you're now. So what brought you to the agency? Like, what is you know you're now a principal and partner at the agency. You're you're building this cultured real estate. You're you're disrupting right. the industry. Um, what do you, what made you what made you see that the industry required disruption? Yeah, that exactly that. You know, uh, I mean, I've known Billy and Mauricio for a long time through the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, done deals with Billy specifically in the past, so we know each other. We know each other. You know, Billy was with uh, what it was at the time Prudential, mm-hmm. and uh, Mauricio was with Hilton Highland, and you know, they're pretty prominent agents. So mm-hmm. you get to know each other and do business. Uh, although their business is more in the other side of town, you know, like the east of the four of right. Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Hollywood Hills, mm-hmm. open area. And my my market really is more into the coast, you know, like right. where we are right now, Brentwood, Palisades, uh, uh, Pacific Palisades, uh, Malibu, Santa Monica. And I do high-end, so I mean, I do get the calls in Bel Air and Beverly Hills and mm-hmm. go there too, but uh, I mean, I get calls in Santa Barbara sometimes, you know, so... But uh, what what attracted me? So I saw I saw that they were doing. They, they called me. Billy called me. And he said, "Hey, we're doing this, and uh, you know, wanted to know if you came." And I just moved to from Sotheby's to another company that right. doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I was like, "Look, I, I moved eight months ago, six months ago, and I just to go to another move and go to my clients. And I mean, it's just I don't. It's not something that I want to do right now. But I wish you guys good luck." Mm-hmm. So they went and opened the agency, and I remember the first ad that came out in this book that I'm holding right now, which is called The Broker's Caravan Book. Okay, okay. Every Monday. And you get this book because here's the, all the list of the properties they're going to have open houses tomorrow. So you get to advertising here. This, okay. is, a, this is a publication for, for agents. And I remember they had a front page, and it said The Agency, and I was like, what a great name. I mean, I just from the get-go, I was like, that's cool. That's different, you know? Because right. all the other companies are like big corporations. and Right, somebody's you know, name is a law firm. That yeah. kind of stuff, you know? So when they said, like, The Agency, I was like, that's cool. This is what we do. Yeah, so I kind of kept an eye on them for like about six, seven months. And, uh, you know, the place where I was, it was presented to me in one way, and as I was in there, I realized it wasn't for me. Um, it wasn't really for me, and uh, there were a lot of things that I wanted to do that I presented to them at the time, and they really wouldn't do it. And the things that I had in my mind that I presented to this old company, then Maurice and Billy were doing it. So I was like, right. that's what I want to do, and they're doing it, and where I am, they don't want to do it. So at that point, and I remember telling Billy when he called me originally, I said, look, I'll call you, because I get a lot of calls from, from different companies. So I said, right. I will call you when the time comes. And so the time came, and I called them. And we sat down, and we met the three of us, and, uh, and we decided to be partners. That's and, uh, great. Became an equity partner, and uh, you know we joined forces. And uh, I think that the synergy of the energies got us really, really to grow fast and, and, and connect with the right people. And I brought up a good group. You know, I mean, I brought right. David, James with me, John Grauman. I mean, uh, that's a, a lot of the big agents. Those are they, big they agents. Were, they yeah. came with me, and uh, uh, they're good friends of mine. And now they all, we all work together. And um, all those guys that I just mentioned are killing it like they're absolutely killing it yeah. that's right so what was the thing that you wanted to do that other bro- agents or bro- other brokers weren't doing PR you know yep. looking to technology have a 
you know, sex appeal or something different with the name and the and the brand, you know. So mm. all the combination of all those things was great. But then what I got to learn even more was when once I met with them was the culture, right? That, that really got me. It's like, oh my God, this place is awesome. I remember once I made the move and I got up in my house and I was like just up and excited and whatever. And, uh, and my wife's like, oh, you look super happy and excited. It's like, and I, I sat for a second, I was like, I remember the last time that I get up and I was just so excited to go to the office, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because in real estate, you don't really need to be in an office, you know, you're out no. there. Yeah. But I was just excited to be in the office and be part of it. I was excited to wear the t-shirts. I was excited to wear the hat. And then I found out that the clients were excited to wear our hats. You know, I got a call from a yeah. very high profile client that, you know, called me one day. He's like, hey, I'm going to play golf. Do you have any more of those agency hats? And I'm like, for what? He's like, I want to use them. I was like, well, this guy wants to use our hats. I mean, we must have done something right with the brand. Right. So uh, that's kind of like what's, what's, you know, one of the things that got me, you know, it's like that disruption, doing things different, changing a little bit of the way how real estate has been done for so long, you know. Uh, every, the world's changed. I mean, uh, you buy your clothing, yeah. you know, you buy, you just want anything online and there's different ways of yeah. market things yeah. and everything. So why is it that one of the most expensive assets that you ever want to own in your life, possibly as a human, uh, has been sold the way that's been, is archaic. Exactly. You know? I used to, I used to say, you know, the old school realtors, you walk into their listings and, you know, refrigerators are marketed better than in $20 million houses. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's, it's incredible. So where do, you, where do you think the market's going right now in terms of uh, marketing? I think the market in Los Angeles is very strong. Yeah. I think that there's, uh, I mean, we had most $100 million sales this year than ever in history. Wow. Uh, we had more $70 million sales than ever. And uh, I, I personally think that the economy in Los Angeles and the opportunities are here. We have so many things coming here. We have, you know, the football stadium has been built. I mean, you know, the Rams oh, yeah. and Chargers stadium is at $2 billion plus thing. And then you have the Clippers building a new stadium. You know, I know Steve Ballmer personally. So uh, there's a lot a lot going on, you know, in, in, in the city and the development, you know, like the new hotels. But we were over the over the week, last yep. week for, yep. the, for the forum, basically. You know, that I... I that's a brand new hotel. The whole the one hotel. building is, is brand yeah. new. Uh, you have the addition hotel. You have like five or six things happening in that strip that are yeah. very expensive. You know, there's a lot of money put in there and a lot of people uh, that, you know, trusted that this economy is going to support it. And it is. You have a lot of developments in downtown. So there's a lot of fundamentals why, like, you know, Silicon Valley is moving to Silicon Beach, basically. There's mm-hmm. a lot of movement from all the technology companies now. They're here. You know, you have Snapchat. You have... Uh, YouTube, you have Google, you know, everybody's moving here. So I think the fundamentals are so strong here that we have, that's why we have this strong market. It's been strong since 2012. Now it's been like, what, seven years. That's right. So uh, uh, the market's strong, although what I think what's happened is we are, we're, I think we're at the top of the market right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what starts to happen is you start to see a lot more inventory. So, you know, basic economics, you know, when the you know, supply, supply and the demand, you know, the curve gets to a certain point and it has to, it's going to start declining. So yeah. we're getting to that point because there's a lot of, a lot more inventory now. Right. And uh, when you see news that the price reduction by 100 million or the price reduction by this, which those are the, new, the newsworthy, you know, articles, 
what people don't really understand, and we do because we're the experts in the area, is that well, those prices were inflated and they weren't realistic to start with. That's right. So the issue is that when when too many people overprice things, and with a lot of those developers were like you know counting on numbers that were based on one comp or two comps or no comps or no comps sold by agents that they just wanted to make a sale right. and they didn't care whether they're going to be able to deliver it or not. Well, now the time counts when you have a number of properties that come at the same time. They look a lot alike and right. all overpriced. So all it takes is one guy to reduce the price. Everybody needs to reduce the price and it starts adjusting down. And, uh, and the perception to people is not like, oh, there's a realistic right. developer going down. All they say is like, oh my God, the market must be crashing. And by talking about that, it creates uncertainty. And right. when buyers are uncertain, they don't buy. And that eventually gets you to a slow market. That's yeah. basically what happens. It's kind of like a we create our own, you know, by talking. So it's very important, I think, as agents to educate people. And yeah. you know, I was like, no, the market's super strong right now. The, the buyers are out there. That's the thing. You know, That's the indicator. Are selling. Yes, the buyers are out there. The mar- they're, they're buying, but they're not buying the overpriced things. They're buying what's well-priced. Right. buying what's a good product and a good location. So, the, so being knowledgeable about the markets for young agents out there who listen to this, you know, you're listening to one of the top agents in North America here, and it's it's down to you know the basics. Be yeah. knowledgeable, understand the market, you know, advise correctly, and don't overpromise. And if you, if you do that, you 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 will get through markets like this. I mean, you feeling you're feeling the peak, but it could be it could be an artificial peak as well because of. The two hundred million dollar houses that were never worth two hundred million to begin right. with, just right. ego driven, either developers, realtors, both, yeah. or bad advice. Yeah, and you know what? The market's been so strong that a lot of them they they were getting it. You know, for like five years, people have been setting prices and getting them, and getting them, and getting them. Right. It gets to a point where the consumer and the supply again. We talk about all the combination of those things. It, it's not happening anymore. You know. Right. So uh, it changes a little bit. So yes, I think that, uh, I mean, I talked to, I mean, I know that I've been hiring agents for what, seven years. Uh, on the newer side of agents, I always tell them, you just need to know your stuff, you know? Yeah. You need to go to open houses, you know? Don't go on Tuesday and see three houses. Like, try to get there early and see as many houses as you can, mm-hmm. because knowing the house is what gives you knowledge. I mean, I got mm-hmm. a call over the weekend from a guy that wants to buy a $50 million house from South America. And, uh, and he asked me in the phone, he's like, uh, I only want to see what's your listings. And I was saying, why is it that you only want to see what my listings? I mean, if there's any other property out there that you like, I'll be happy to help you too. It's like, well, but your listings are the ones that you've seen and you know, so you can give me advice. I'm like, no. You name a property in that price range in LA and I've been inside. Right, right. So he was like, oh, I didn't know it works like that. I'm like, yeah, that's how it works. I mean, if you're an agent at this level and you don't know your competition's product, then you're not doing anything right. You can't sell your own listing. No, exactly. And you can't advise exactly. other people. So anyway, I picked up this buyer, and I'm giving you a fresh example. Like, yeah, yeah, I spoke yeah. with him yesterday. And uh, now he's going to fly, and we're going to be looking at a few properties. I mean, a lot of them are my listings, and uh, there's one that he liked that it wasn't. So... Uh, we're gonna look at that too. But the point is like, if you don't know that opportunity, you know, everybody knows and everybody says about, you know, what's the definition of luck? Mm-hmm. You know, preparation means opportunity, right? Opportunity means preparation. Right, right, right. Order. But what does that mean? That means that if you get that call and you don't know those houses and the guy asks you a question and finds out that you don't, you lost that bleed. Yeah. Uh, if you're sitting in an open house and someone walks in there and asks you, hey, how do you compare this house with the house up the street and you haven't seen the house up the street, then you know you don't have anything to talk about. Right. But if they walk in there and you're prepared and you know everything, 
and like other one up the street sell is, is they're asking this dollar per square and it's got one bathroom but uh you know the the master doesn't have his and her clothes and you know what you're talking about well guess what that person's gonna be like oh this guy knows and then you'll pick up that person as a value you know i can tell right. you how many times i've been sitting in open houses and people come and they're like well this house is not gonna work for me uh, because I need this, and I'll be like, well, I know the house that has it, and I'll go on and sell it to them. Yeah, I'll, I'll book the appointment for you right now. Yeah, Let's so do this. You need to be online looking at everything that is available. You need to be out there looking at every house. Go and look at them inside. See what they have. Do a mental note of what each house has as a positive and a negative. Remember it. You're going to know also your, your co-workers, you know. I mean, uh, a lot of times relationships between agents are very helpful, you know, and mm-hmm. people... I mean, me as an agent, I feel a little more confident dealing with an agent that I know as a pro yeah. than someone that I don't know who it is. So when a multiple situation offers and everything like that, having good relationships also help you. That's right. Exactly. It's, it's funny as well. I mean, and it's actually refreshing. Not once have you mentioned commissions in this whole interview. It's it's <laughs> about your drive or the money. I mean, the money's really good, obviously, but right. you never mention it at all. So this is a so it's an outcome of what you do. That's right. Of, of, of successful relationships and transactions. That's and, correct. Yeah. So the money's not your drive. I, I'm more of a goal oriented. Yeah. I mean, if you see my board here, I don't have the amount of money that I want to make. Yeah. I have the amount of sales that I want to make. I, I, I mean. have I have the the grand total of what I want to sell. And I'm just looking at that. I'm not really thinking about, you know, how much money I'm going to make. I just know that if I sell near or that number, I'm going to wow. be okay on that aspect. So, <laughs> Wow. So you're carrying $382 million in inventory right now. Yes. Yeah. I s- Amazing. Yeah, my goal is $500 million this year. I already sold about 235 and I, so I'm, you know, I'm getting there. <laughs> Those are great goals. So you're goal oriented, and, and that's right. If you and I have about 48 in escrow, so that's I'm, I'm probably after that I'm gonna be at the 300 mark, and I just have 200 to finish the year. That's amazing. And you still do open houses? Uh, I do open houses. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, they're, I'm they're, doing as often as I used to do. No, I definitely don't do Saturday and Sunday yeah, anymore. Yeah. Uh, but now I have kids and I have family, so I, I you know I take Saturday. So you were doing the Saturday Sunday back to back open houses to build your business as well. I was, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. This there's so many commonalities from all types of agents who reach success, but that's one of them. Get in front of people, and if people are shopping for real estate, they come for open houses. Mm-hmm. That is one of the best ways in door knocking to get new clients. Um, this is inc- this is incredible. There's so much to ask here, but um, let's just say I ask. We're going to wind it down now. But I always ask each um, each agent that I interview one question, and that question is, what single piece of advice would you give your younger self on day one when starting your career in real estate? Uh, me, personally, I I would have, like, but it's something that I didn't control, you know? I would change the attitude a little bit, you know? It's okay. like how you do things, you know? It's, it's not what you do, it's how you do The things. mindset, a yes, little bit? Yes, yeah. uh, I would have changed a little bit my mindset, but not only the mindset of where I want to go, but in how you do things. I mean, what's your attitude about life and how you go about every day. Uh, I, I didn't really get introduced to the books like that they supported me, like the thing at Rich that I spoke last week about it. Right. When I gave that uh, talk, uh, the forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are books like uh, The Science of Getting Rich, and there's a lot of books that really teach you that you need to have a positive attitude, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, I think, and what's important for me, like if I don't wake up at five, meditate, go to the gym, have breakfast with my family, I don't feel like I can go out there and kill it. But once I've done all those things that are important, first wake up and give time to myself, Mm -hmm. you know I mean? Uh, 
you know, the, the hour of power that Tony Robbins called. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I meditate for half an hour that I go to the gym and while I'm doing all that, I'm not having a look at my phone. I don't look at my emails, I don't look at texts because I don't want to get distracted. So that's time for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be a little that's selfish yeah. uh, in that aspect, you know, and uh, I, I give time for myself to be grateful for what I have and where I am and to focus on where I want to go. And after I do that, I'm going to spend time with my family, which is the most important thing for me. And once I've done that, then I feel, okay, now I'm going to go kick ass. So wow. uh, if I would have been introduced sooner well, to that, it would be great. But sometimes is, you know, you can read a book and uh, don't be ready for it. And if you're not ready for it, it's not really the book's fault. But one day you'll be ready for the message that, that book has. And that's why I do right. this seminar about Think and Grow Rich every year for the agency or the agency because I believe that every year you change. The book doesn't change. But you read the book last year and you went to chapter five and you didn't find anything there. This year you might read it and you find something in chapter five that's going to fire you up. Right. So right. you know, you're constantly changing and therefore yeah. you might be sometimes ready for some messages and some not. That's right. That's amazing. That is great. That's a great, great way to segue out of this. And Santiago, seg- thank you so much for your time. And um, you got lots of work to do, don't you? Yeah, I got to go to work. $200 million <laughs> of sales till yes. end of the year, right? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it.